This podcast is brought to you by Burl Audio. Get it right the first time. Learn more at burlaudio.com. Hey, it's Larry Crane. Welcome to the Tape Op Podcast. From humble beginnings in Hobbs, New Mexico, and a childhood spent moving from oil field to oil field for his father's jobs, Ryan Bingham rode bulls and eventually learned to play a guitar given to him by his mother for his 16th birthday. From a first gig at a biker's party to every roadhouse in the nowhere south, he honed his songwriting and playing, eventually landing a deal with Lost Highway Records. His big break came appearing in the film Crazy Heart, alongside Jeff Bridges, and his song from the film, The Weary Kind, earned Bingham an Academy Award, Golden Globe Award, and Critics' Choice Award for Best Song in 2010, as well as a Grammy in 2011. The Americana Music Association also named Bingham 2010's Artist of the Year. Almost a decade on, Ryan is still writing, acting, most recently in the Netflix series Yellowstone, and making great records. Online publisher Jeff Stanfield caught up with Ryan in Seattle to talk about recording his latest release, American Love Song. Enjoy. Thanks for thanks for doing this. Um, I've been following you for a while now. And your music, ways that you've progressed throughout your records, there have been some things that have been the same and some things that have been a little bit different on every record. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got this new record, American Love Song, and uh, is that right? American Love Songs? Uh-huh, yeah, American Love Song, yeah. And uh, can you tell me a little bit about where did, where did you guys record it and what was the process of making this record? Yeah, um, you know, it was a bit of a process. I, 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 had, I was really um, kind of seeking out to, to work with a producer on, on this album. I really, I wanted to collaborate with someone on, on this thing and, and it took me a while to kind of zero in on, on uh, on someone to work with and um, after just not really, not necessarily really reaching out or approaching anybody, I just, um, it was just kind of one of those things, the songs were kind of so personal to me, but at the same time, I wanted to, you know, step out of my comfort zone and not be afraid to try different things or going, you know, maybe a different direction with things if that's what the songs called for. Um, but ultimately I ended up uh, uh, calling Charlie Sexton in Austin, Texas and just saying, man, you know, I want to make a country blues album, like, kind of in the vein of Beggar's Banquet with, like, kind of Terry Allen-esque themes. You know, it's, um, the songs are part kind of autobiographical, part kind of fictional. Um, it's a kind of a love song, a love story that kind of takes place in all the different places throughout the Southwest and the South that I grew up in Texas and on kind of growing up and moving my way out to California and all along those kind of, those highways and those roads. So each kind of song is kind of a, you know, kind of takes place in a different setting. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and not only just kind of represents where I was living or staying at the time, but the people that I was hanging out with, the kind of music I was listening to, the food, the, the cultures, you know, just there's a lot of different kind of, uh, there's a lot of different shit going on just in the South and in Texas in general. It's such a big place and from the West and all the kind of swing music and country stuff down in the South along the Louisiana 
Texas border and the coast and Houston hip hop scene and the Cajun music and the jazz and Zydeco and then all the Tejano and Cajunto stuff on the border and New Mexico and California. So it was just about uh, kind of documenting that, that journey up to a certain point. You mentioned a couple of things that I want to I want to go back to. Um, and one thing that uh, before I forget was you talked about the story of the record and, and you know, you, you've been acting for a while and uh, your wife, Anna, is a filmmaker. You know, I, I was curious, like how much of what that process over time has been brought into your you know storytelling as far as making records. I think more than I realize, you know, and I think I think that I've always looked at songs as if I'm kind of looking at an image and describing it, you know, and mainly kind of, the, you know, just writing down and describing the images in my head of places that I, you know, witnessed growing up or traveling on the road or on the world or what whatnot. And it's, it's really those kind of uh, personal experiences and things that I've seen with my own eyes that I'm kind of writing about and talking about and describing and, and, uh, and kind of weaving the, the stories into it as well of kind of what went down in some of those places so I've, I've really not only just with the songwriting and and kind of and recording an album as a whole as a theme or you know whatever you want to call it but also incorporating that into the, a live performance as well I think the acting stuff has come into that of like you know coming on stage and telling you know uh, telling more stories with the, in between the songs and what they're about and what they could be about and um, I went and saw Bruce Springsteen on Broadway um, the, uh, several months back, and it was just such a mind-blowing kind of performance. And uh, you know, a lot of it was, came from the, the, that latest book that he had came out with. And um, I really did. I've always been a fan of his, but after seeing that performance and how he used his life story and kind of wove that in within the songs and then the whole show on Broadway and all that, it really was inspiring and really just, um, it was something that I wanted to kind of explore and of just kind of, because I mean, writing these songs and performing them for people is really, you're out there telling your story, you know, and mm -hmm. and, uh, and trying to find ways of getting that a across with, and uh, trying to translate that to people without them taking it out of context in certain ways, you know, if that makes sense. Which part of it, the, the, the storytelling or the song? Just kind of all of it, yeah. you know? I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've had a song or something and, and you know, and I, and I appreciate that songs are meant for people to interpret in their own ways as well and yeah. to their own stories, but sometimes when things are interpreted in the wrong ways or taken out of context in, in, a, in a way that uh, necessarily might be completely opposite of what I, I intended, I, I think it's at least nice sometimes to be able to explain, you know, where the root of some of that stuff comes from. Yeah, I mean, you're you're ultimately as an artist, you you seed control, I guess, you know, mm -hmm. you have to, like, yeah. everybody, right? Because mm -hmm. you never know how someone's going to uh, what it what it means to them personally, and I think people find whatever they want yeah. in anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing you talked about with, with uh, Charlie Sexton, and I do want to talk about his working style and stuff and sort of mm -hmm. the way that you guys collaborated, but one of the things that I noticed immediately when I put the record on was how stonesy it was. So it's funny, mm -hmm. and, and you reference uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash in one of the tunes, mm -hmm. and um, it really has like a 70s, late 60s, early 70s stones mm -hmm. feeling to it in a great way that was all your own because you... 
you're not from England and you're yeah. writing about different things, <laughs> yeah. you know, but um, was that what you were listening to? I mean, were you getting into that? I was, and I, you know, and maybe even just before, like I've really, I've always really been into a lot of the Texas blues guys like Light, Lightning Hopkins and um, and then the sun, you know, obviously like Townsend and Zant and things, but, but I'm just really more of on the blues side. And I think that I've always, um, ha you know, I've always been influenced by the blues and very inspired by the blues. And I think I don't, and I don't, and I'm not sure why I haven't explored that more. You know, I've always loved playing acoustic slide guitar and things like that. And, uh, and I've always loved the way that the Stones played country music, like mm -hmm. those records like Beggar's Banquet and um, Let It Bleed and, you know, those kinds of songs where there's fiddles and, you know, kind of some steel guitar or slide or whatever, yeah. you know, there's just like kind of that mix yep. of that's those, those sounds that I've always just really kind of felt like those are a lot of sounds that I, I, that I grew up familiar with of just different areas of where they're Texas or whatever, where I was living, I, those sounds were familiar to me. You know, mm -hmm. the fiddles and then the, the slide, the acoustic guitars and the different rhythms and things like that. So I've always been really drawn to that. And, mm -hmm. um, and I've always, I think I've kind of always wanted to make this kind of a record and maybe not necessarily knew how to communicate that. And so when I was talking to Charlie, what, one great thing about working with Charlie was, is I didn't really have to explain to him what I was hearing in my head, you know, I, I was just like, he's like, what are you hearing? What do you want to do? You know, I'm like, man, you know, Lightning Hopkins, Terry Allen, Beggar's Banquet. He's like, oh yeah, come on in, you know? Right. That's such an important part of who, who you collaborate with is just having those references so you're, because you're already aligned, you know? Yeah. If somebody has it, you already have a common language mm -hmm. and then you're past it. Yeah and you can get on to other things. How did you guys track it and, and where did you guys make the record? We moved around a bit. Um, Charlie was, was on tour with Dylan and kind of back and forth to the studios. So we, we wanted to do everything in Arlen, there in Austin, Texas, Arlen Studios, but it was only available for certain times. It was kind of a last minute I called him up and he's like, man, I got time, we can do it right now you know, if we get in there. So we did some at Arlen Studios and some at uh, Public Hi-Fi there in Austin as well. And then we uh, finished it up with my friend Justin Stanley in uh, Los Angeles. And uh, a majority of it we did there at Arlen. Yeah. And how was the, the spur of the moment timing for you? I mean, how much had you been working on the songs and how much pre-production time did you get with Charlie or did you guys just go in and... Man, I'd actually, I, I'd, I'd been writing songs for the past couple of years. So I, I had, you know, a lot of it and I had done uh, kind of extensive demos at my house, and, um, and I actually had went out to, uh, I took some re recording gear to a buddy's ranch out in New Mexico. He has this little cabin that I go right out in the middle of the desert, and, and I'd rec been recording demos, and so I had the songs kind of, you know, quite far along as far as just certain elements I wanted, in, you know, wanted on them. And so whenever I sent those to Charlie, it was just like, um, there wasn't really any pre-production much. I think we, we got together for a couple of weeks. I wanted some help on some choruses and things like that and with the arrangements on the songs. And that was one thing I really kind of wanted to leave open to Charlie is like even songs that I might've already had a chorus for or I had some kind of bridge or instrumentation on it. I would like, I would just try to take it to him and leave it really bare bones because I wanted him to kind of have his input on that. Mm -hmm. um, just really respect his, kind of musical direction, especially when it comes to the band and everything. So, um, 
I think we got together for like maybe a week, you know, and just kind of played together with some guitars and he'd play some piano and I'd send him the demo so he had time to listen to those songs and then went into the studio and we didn't, the, the band had never heard him before. We just sat down and kind of Charlie talked to those guys and was like, let's get, let's get it. You know? Did you put the band together? Did he put the band together? He did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. JJ Johnson and uh, oh, yeah. Scott Nelson and, and Austin with the rhythm section. And, um, I wanted to leave that up to Charlie as well. It's kind of one of the things I didn't want to be so. Hand, I, I kind of wanted to put that into all into Charlie's hands and a, with a producer collaborating with that and just kind of and be able to for me just to really focus on the songs and, and perform and you know mm -hmm. we really tracked a lot of that stuff live and so I didn't want to have to really think about a lot of that. Yeah, I think it's cool. I mean, I, obviously Dylan was one of the guys that liked to have a lot of spontaneity and mm -hmm. not having people have spent a lot of time with the songs mm -hmm. and sort of get those initial first reactions to the music and capture it. Yeah. That's sort of it. Yeah. Um, and I do too. I like that. But for me, because I, I, uh, my wife and I, we have our own record label and I finance my own records and things like that. So... The only part of that that makes me nervous for me is like I don't have a ton of money to always spend in the studio. So I try to always have, I try to get as much work done as I can before I go in so I can really make the best out of my time. So there was definitely a process of like having to hold myself back of just being like, I'll just let it go, let it be what it's going to be and not try to plan everything out and let, and really let Charlie just kind of take it into those direct, into wherever direction it would go. Yeah, I mean, I think it. you probably enjoy listening to it more than, you know, having handed over the reins a little bit to Charlie or a lot to Charlie. Mm -hmm. It probably gives you extra listening enjoyment yeah. because it wasn't all you, right? I did, and, and you know, and it really took the songs to places that I couldn't take them. You know, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of a lot of different kinds of music and, and the references that I had given him, like the Stone stuff or the Terry Allen stuff or Lightning Hopkins or any of that kind of kind of acoustic Texas blues stuff, but I don't necessarily know if I could go in with a band and be, and ha I don't have the, uh, I don't know, musical knowledge or lingo to be able to communicate that to a band, I guess is what I'm saying. I didn't really, I don't have a very strong foundation musically with a band. Like I was kind of a guy that started playing the guitars at the rodeo on the back of a pickup truck, you know, and but I, I don't, you know, I never played with a band in school. I don't have any kind of formal training or anything like that. So whenever I go into a studio with a band, I'm just kind of like play the song, you know, and then the band plays long and Charlie could really get in there and be like, we need this, we need that. You know, these are the kind of sounds we're going for. Communicate all that and, and really make it happen. So what were some of the things that surprised you or that you thought were really cool that he brought to the songs? I mean, I would imagine like different grooves and things like that and different mm -hmm. rhythm section feels and uh, definitely with the with the you know different grooves and, and things like that. You know, him and JJ I think have worked a lot together, and um, we would kind of he brought these I don't know you probably know what they're called like little compu uh, I can't remember what they're called like a some you kind of program click tracks out of them, yeah. but they're kind of those old school 80s analog, okay. yeah. whatever. And uh, so he would like come up with these just like crazy beats on this right. for the clip for it to use as a click. And then, you know, I would just kind of play along to it, but then what they would bring into it would be completely different just from the way they were hearing it and the way he was, you know, what, what, what Charlie was wanting to get out of it. And uh, I really found that interesting and a lot of fun to be around that. Yeah. Idea. 
What's your, uh, when you're out doing your demos, and uh, I know you've done that before where you, you know, headed off into the mountains or the, mm-hmm. you know, the woods in a trailer just to have some real focused time in terms of writing and, and working on tunes. How are you capturing yourself and like what's your home studio mm-hmm. up? Because I, I, I think when I was there, you had like a, uh, maybe even a reel-to-reel there? Do you have one? Or I do, yeah. 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 Uh, I got one of those Tascam kind of 8-track reel-to-reels yeah. and, and a board, but for all the demo stuff that I, I I was doing, I was just using Pro Tools on a little laptop. I brought two or three guitars and a mandolin and a, and a keyboard, and I just did all the demos on that. Yeah. And just kind of played, you know, and just kept them very bare bones and, and minimal and did some drum loops and things like that just to kind of try to get me get myself to play different things you know yeah and then so there's about what i guess 15 tunes on the record or something Mm -hmm. about there how Mm -hmm. many tunes did you sort of present to charlie and go through them i think i I, maybe 16 or 17 i think i got like 30 or or more all together that i've got enough that i want to do another album after this but just acoustic solo it's just a lot of ballads and things like that and so um, I can't remember exactly how many I sent to Charlie, but um, I kind of had a pretty clear idea of what I wanted to go on this album and then what I want to go on the on the next one. So right, so you'd sort of curated it a little bit even prior. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you've worked with a bunch of producers the, over the years, and and I was sort of curious. Just wanted to read you a few names and and ask you, you know, what each of them sort of brought to the project um, or, or what have you sort of learned from each of them? Um, so one guy, big looming looming name is uh, T-Boom Burnett, who you worked on uh, Junkie Star with. Mm-hmm. Did that collaboration come out of the film? It did, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. How was it working with T-Bone and, and what was his process like and, and what did he bring? What did you learn from him? Man, that whole experience was just such a trip for me. I, I was, you know, it all came through that film and I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those things you always, you can never really be prepared for, you know? Like it's one of those, I wish I was a little older and a little more experienced when I had gone in that situation. But it all happened so fast and, you know, it was all, you just kind of had to hang on and, and go with it. And, uh, you know, after the success with the film and, and the, the working on the soundtrack just alone with all those musicians that, were, that played on that word. It was just, you know, just sitting in a room with all your heroes and people that, you know, you've heard play on records for decades. And, and all of a sudden you're sitting in a recording studio and they're playing your songs. And uh, it was pretty, uh, pretty magical, pretty surreal. And, um, and then to continue on and get to do uh, another album, you know, with T-Bone was just like, I don't know, I, th- I just still feel like I was just not really able to soak it in so much because I, you know, it was all happening so fast and it's just like we even, I think we recorded that whole album in like five days, <laughs> you know, we just went in and tracked all this. We, first I think we went to T-Bone's house with me and my band and uh, sat down in the living room and he goes, just play them all for me in my living room. I want to hear what they sound like, just you guys playing them live. And um, we went and just played them and he's like, we're, we're going to record it just like that. So we went over to the village, set up, and just did one right after the other. Probably did two or three takes of each song, and then that was it. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, at the time I had my bar band, you know, our, I don't say like my bar band, but my longtime buddies, the Dead Horses, had been in my band forever. And uh, we'd had a, we had a couple of records out, 
and then the movie thing hit and then all of a sudden you know with all that i got all the pressure like from my manager and even from t-bone and they wanted me to do the next record with all their guys and and which i wanted to too you know it was like an opportunity to do a record like that with all those players but it just would have really broke the hearts of all those guys in my band i think if i would have you know just kind of shrugged them off and said fuck it i'm gonna go do this right now so you know i really had to kind of make that decision and and uh you know i remember talking to t-bone about it we went out for dinner and he was like i was like man he's or t-bone's like you know I, I really think we should use these guys for your record and it's going to be amazing and this and that and i said i do I, you know i hear you all the way but i can't do this to my guys at right now you know at this moment it's going to have to be a little longer process you know and so he's like all right well let's just get in there and 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 just get it how we can get it you know and because uh, none of us are we're session players, you know, we're sure. a bunch of young kids that played in bars and honky tonks. And yeah. not to say that we didn't have a vibe and we didn't have something special going on between us when we played. But, you know, the difference between, you know, some of the players that T-Bone has on records and, you know, guys like me and my band, you know, yeah. from that time. So, yeah, but, you know, I mean, that's the personality. I mean, you guys have a thing, you know, whether mm -hmm. you sort of uh, downplay it or not. I mean, yeah. you guys had a thing that... Oh, we definitely did. I'm not trying to downplay it at all. I'm just kind of trying to put it into perspective, yeah. you know, of like a situation that I was in as a, as a young guy and at those crossroads. And Yeah, yeah. Who were know. some of those players that, that you were trying to, that oh, they were uh, trying to get on the record? Greg Leitz. A lot of the guys that actually played on the whole Crazy Heart soundtrack, okay, yeah. you know, same guys, so... And, uh, and we were already all in the studio and it was already all going and we were already recording. He's like, man, let's just keep it going and just record your album. And I'm like, oh, you know, I gotta. Right. I was like, I, I wanna get my guys in here for this one, you know? Yeah. You know, so. Cool, how, how about Mark Ford? You know, you, Mark, you did yeah. Mescalito and Roadhouse Sun with him. You know, he, 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 that's the first, uh, when I first met Mark was in, when I very first went to LA and met Mark in a bar. Me and my, it was just me and my drummer at the t time. I think it was, we were just like a two-piece band. And uh, a huge, I was a huge Black Crows fan, so was my drummer at the time. And, and uh, that was about the time, I think, right when Mark had got back with him was starting to tour. And so we were pretty stoked to meet him and, and, uh, and work with him. And, I kind of want to say, like, he really taught me how to play music with a band. I'd never played with a band. I'd only played with a drummer, really, before. Yeah. And, uh, you know, didn't really, I had a handful of songs, but, you know, I didn't really know a whole lot about, you know, arrangements and things and playing with the band and, you know, all the space and timing. You know, there yeah. were a lot of things that, that uh, I had a long way to go. And, and I just, going in the studio with him, it's like, you know, he's counting, teaching me how to count the song off. I mean, that basic of shit, you know, it's like, all right, all you yeah. guys just play your parts, you know, <laughs> play yeah. together, you know, that's so it's, uh, and, he, and he even went on the road with us for a bit and played guitar with us. And so that was even, I didn't even know how to set, I'd never played electric guitar. I didn't even know how to set it up on stage. <laughs> so, you know, he like, he bought me this old Craftsman guitar for like a hundred bucks off eBay, gave me a slide and put acoustic strings on it and got me this little like, I don't know what it was, some little boutique amp like with a tenant speaker in it. Had two knobs and he's like, you can't, you can't get in too much trouble with this. There's a volume knob and a tone knob, you know? He goes, just turn it all the way up and play this. And, uh, and just really, you know, 
kind of cultivated this as, or me, and he was right, probably more than anybody else. Cause I really had no clue what I was doing out there, you know. <laughs> Just a kid with a guitar and a handful of ballads, and he's like teaching us how to play rock and roll. Yeah, you know? that's cool. How about Jim Scott? Another sort of legend that you... Yeah, he's great, man. Jim was fucking... Jim was a guy, too. You know, I'd, uh, I'd been a fan of a lot of the stuff that I'd heard him be a part of, and... Um, I knew he lived in Los Angeles, but I didn't know how accessible of a guy he would be to maybe get in touch with. And um, it was kind of one of those things where I just, I think I just, I, I don't know where I got his number from. Somebody I got his phone number from, called him up and, uh, you know, asked him if he'd be interested in working. And he said, hell yeah, I'll come out to my place. He's got a studio. Uh, You're in Valencia, Valencia, right? yeah, Castaic Lakes out there. And it's a big, fucking warehouse that he's been collecting gear in for however 20, 30 years, you know? Yeah, and, gear um, and tie-dyes. Oh man, all <laughs> kinds of cool shit out there. Um, he's a great guy, had an amazing time working with him out there. Um, obviously, all that stuff that he's got and how he runs it and the sounds. He's, he was another guy too, where like you could just say, you could reference a sound or a record or an instrument or anything, and he right. knew how to get the sound immediately. You know, right? He didn't right. take him like a half an hour, like trying to get a mic set up or right. yeah. this kind of snare. He's like, "Oh, here, this, that, and that, and turn it on." And there, yeah, it was. You know, I mean, I think that that's such a huge part of production is just keeping it going, yeah. keeping the wheels going. Mm -hmm. You know, and and uh, that's a that's a really interesting point about him. I've heard that, like, mm -hmm. oh, there's the snare drum that's on. You know, mm -hmm. he just knows the sounds of the instruments mm -hmm. and, and uh, like that, you know, I mean, we we did that Fear and Saturday Night fairly quick, too. I think we did like, you know, we tracked two or three songs a day, just pretty much live. And we did that whole record in a week or two. And and that was a thing like we could just roll one to the next. And if something wasn't working, he would just go, hold on, guys, for like, something's I want to I want to change the sound of this over here or that. And it, it would just. You wouldn't even notice him doing it, but then after the fact, you know, after your, you know, month later, whatever you're listening to the record, and you're like, oh damn, I, you know, yeah, you can tell where he was making those moves. I wish I knew more about some uh, some gear to talk about. Oh, man. I don't want to talk about gear. <laughs> well, that's the funny thing is that we don't, we, don't, here. we don't spend. Uh, that's really we spend a lot of time talking about how unimportant gear is. Yeah, you know? it's nice to have. That, Sometimes yeah. it makes your job easier, but mm -hmm. you know. Uh, it's not certainly not the the end all, and it's certainly boring to sit around and talk about that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, good. Thanks for listening. Find us online at tapeop.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time. And finally, folks, this interview was recorded using the device audio interface from DPA Microphones. It's perfect for great sounding recordings on the go. Oh.